I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5 as we conclude our series on the fruit of the Spirit. I was reminded uh, a week ago that uh, Chuck Swindoll, Reverend Chuck Swindoll, have you ever heard Chuck Swindoll? He is a very popular and creditable, trustworthy preacher of the Word of God on radio and t- TV. He has written many, many books, uh, commentaries, studies on Jesus, and so forth. And uh, if you ever need a Bible study, you know, you just, you've been assigned to uh, do a Bible study in a certain passage, get one of his books. It has great insight. And I think he's uh, preaching out in Dallas, Texas at, at this time, but Chuck Swindoll was, uh, he, he often preaches through books of the Bible, and, and one time in his ministry, he was preaching through the book of Job. Now, you know how Job is. Just a lot of tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And um, he went for a whole year through the book of Job. A whole year. And uh, so the last Sunday, he got up to announce that this is my last sermon today on the book of Job. And the congregation stood and applauded. <laughs> so I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, this is the last in the series on the fruit of the Spirit. And when you think about fruit of the Spirit, think about a cluster of grapes, cluster of grapes. And we've been enjoying each one of those every Sunday as we look at the last one today. I want you to be in prayer for the Smith family. Um, Little Abby came all the way from Oklahoma to be with her Nana, and Abby brought her mother and dad with her, and she's got to go back now to Oklahoma, and I know uh, little Abby's going to be real sad, and so is Nana and Mom and Dad. But uh, Kurt and uh, Chastity, we pray for you. Uh, we're glad you're able to spend some time back at home with us and uh, be praying for them as they travel tomorrow, right? Head out tomorrow. And it's a long way to Oklahoma, and I-40 just keeps going and going. And uh, so be in prayer for them. And they serve the Lord out there, and they serve Him faithfully. And a great example of students who grew up and came to know the Lord and have been faithful to to the Lord. Let's pray together and uh, pray for the Smith family as they travel tomorrow too. Our Father and our God, we thank you for being our faithful, loving, heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, that your love for us never ends. And as we learned in Bible study this morning, the unfathomable love of God you want us to know and we pray to God we pray today Lord that we will grow an understanding of what it means to be faithful as we look to you our faithful and loving father we do pray for the Smith family as they travel back to Oklahoma and God that you will anoint their ministry and the Lord's work there God we thank you for folks who grew up in Meade County in this area and continue to serve you and live for you no matter where you send them. We thank you, Lord, for faithful church members, faithful to be stewards, faithful to teach, faithful to love and faithful to be patient and to be kind and tolerant of each other and to carry on the Lord's work. We thank you, Father, for the word that you're going to speak today. And we ask that your Holy Spirit We'll hide the preacher behind this pulpit and all we will hear and see 
is from the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. There is no limit. There is no limit to how much you can be faithful. And God calls us to be faithful because He is the faithful God that we serve. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 5, The Lord is good, His loving kindness is everlasting, and His faithfulness to all generations. We read in the Bible of God's faithfulness in the past, God's faithfulness to Israel, even when they were unfaithful to Him. What the Bible wants us to know is God's faithful to you and me now. And our descendants, our children, our grandchildren, God will be faithful to them as well. And we have times and struggles in our life when we wonder about the faithfulness of God. But know for sure that God never changes. No matter what temptation or trial you are experiencing, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is a faithful God. Well, what do we mean by the word faithful? We look in the Old Testament and we find a Hebrew word there for faithful called imunah. And we see an example of that in the book of Exodus chapter 17. You remember when Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and went into the wilderness for 40 years. And when they first went into that wilderness time, they ran out of water. It's not good to run out of water in any time, but in a desert especially. You can live without eating, but you can't live without water. And when they ran out of water, they began to crumble, uh, grumble and say to Moses, uh, Have you left us out here to die? We were better off back in Egypt. And they grumble against the Lord. And uh, the Lord answered in a prayer to Moses that he would demonstrate his faithfulness. God told Moses to go and strike that rock, and God brought forth water out of the, in the desert, out of a rock. It was just amazing. Well, they weren't the only thirsty people in that desert. The Amalekites were nearby, and they needed water too. And after the Israelites drank the water and fed their herds and so forth, the Amalekites were going to attack them. And the Bible says Moses told Joshua that he and two others would go up on the side of a mountain and he would hold up his staff as they fought the Amalekites. The Bible says that as Joshua led the charge against the Amalekites to protect their families and, and their little dwelling that they had, the tents and so forth, that Moses held up the rod of God, the staff. And as long as Moses held that rod up, the Israelites prevailed. But when Moses would get weak, the Amalekites would pre prevail instead. And the Bible says Moses had those other two guys to help him hold up the staff of God. That word for holding the staff steadfastly so that the Israelites could win the battle, that's the word faithfulness. What a great picture, isn't it? And I thank God today for people who are in the battle on the Lord's side, the side of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that are remaining faithful like you. 
some kind of preaching to the choir today. But I want to encourage you. There will come greater trials in your life. There will come greater temptations in your life to distract you from the battle that we all face. Life is, if we follow Jesus Christ, a spiritual battle. Satan's going to do everything he can, not only to wound you, but to bring you out of the battle. But God is calling us to be faithful because he is faithful to us. We learn some things about God's faithfulness when we study the Scripture. One is this. God is faithful in His being. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, God is faithful. That's just who God is. And God can't be who He's not. God is a God of integrity. He never changes. And He is faithful. So God, in His nature is never unfaithful. If you ever wonder if God has forgotten you or abandoned you or not showing up, remember that God never changes and He is always faithful. Go back to His promises. There are 7,000 of them in the Scriptures where He says that He will be faithful to His people and be renewed and be encouraged because God who is our faithful God never changes. He cannot be unfaithful. Remember when I was a kid, we had an evangelist that came to our little uh, com community where we were, and, and he was going to preach on five things that God can't do. Well, that just shook the whole community, because we, be we believe that God do anything, you know. And he said, I'm going to preach on five things this week that God can't do, and all week he, he would bring up another one. Well, God cannot be unfaithful. Now you think about that. And let that be your reminder that God never changes and He's never unfaithful. Psalmist says in chapter 36, Your steadfastness, this imunah of God, your steadfastness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. How big is God's faithfulness? As high and as broad and as expansive as the heavens. Your faithfulness even to the clouds. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes, If we are faithless, if we find that we fail in being faithful, which we do often, uh, I, I fail at that. I, I struggle with that. I struggle with it just like you do. One of the reasons we struggle with being faithful is we get bored. We get distracted. God forbid that any person should ever get bored. You know, that's why we have all the gadgets that we have. That's why we have all the entertainment that we have. That's why we have this endless internet to, to, you know, entertain us and draw our attention. God forbid that anybody should get bored. But the Bible says God is faithful. Even when we're faithless, the Bible says, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. So God is faithful in His being. He cannot be unfaithful. A second thing we learn in Scripture about the faithfulness of God is that God is faithful in covenant with His people. Now when I say covenant, you see my hands draw together? Covenant is a compact, if you will, a pledge between two people, two parties. And God has entered into covenant with us 
in His love through Jesus Christ our Lord. God made a covenant with His people. There are four or five covenants that carry across the Old Testament, one with Abraham, one with Moses, and on and on. And uh, the Bible says that the people of God broke covenant. They were not faithful to God. And so that's why we have the book of Hosea in the Bible. Hosea was a prophet of God who was called of God to go and marry a harlot of all people. Can you imagine a man of God going to the house of prostitution and say, I'm looking for a wife. Probably wouldn't call him to be our pastor, would we? Man has no discretion, but God told Hosea, go to a house of harlotry and marry a harlot. Marry a harlot. Why would he do that? Because God said, you're going to have children of a harlot. And God says, I'm trying to, through your life to teach the people of God that you have been unfaithful to your covenant. You have been unfaithful to your covenant. But even though you've been unfaithful, I still love you. Even though we have prostituted our faith and taken on false gods, God is still faithful to us, to love us and to call us back to himself. So God tells Hosea, go take a wife of harlotry, have children of harlotry, for the, uh, the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. In the covenant God made with Israel through the Ten Commandments, the Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is immunah. He is faithful. He is a faithful God, keeping covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. Now, the covenant relationship that we think about um, could be one of uh, a covenant to be a church family. When you joined Akron Baptist Church, you entered to a covenant relationship with other disciples who are seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and you now have a covenant relationship with, with each other. And it is so important for us to be faithful to that covenant relationship. We have responsibilities that keep that covenant functioning. We have a, a mission for the covenant to accomplish together. And that is to go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To do evangelism and to do missions. That's our mission as a covenant people. And that's why the Bible encourages us to be faithful to one another. Because we are in covenant and responsible to each other. But when you think about the ultimate example of covenant, think about the cross. Think about the cross. The prime example of all history is the faithfulness of God to us when we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God could have turned away and said, I'll start all over as we studied in Sunday school this morning. God could have wiped the world out with a virus or a, or a flood. But He chose to love us even though we were yet sinners. And He came and became sin for us. And He took upon Himself the consequence of our sin, which is death. And there Jesus died on that cross. 
That's why so often you'll see in the New Testament that Jesus didn't happen to be crucified. He didn't happen to be arrested. And there were other times when Jesus was almost arrested. But the commentaries will say in the, in the four Gospels that it wasn't his time. You see, God was in control of the sacrifice that he was making for you and for me and when it would happen and how it would happen and where it would happen and who would give his life a ransom for you and for me. God himself, very God, very man, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus had that last opportunity in the Garden of Gethsemane to escape his obligation, his call, his mission from the Father, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thine be done. Someone told me one time when we were studying prayer that that's the prayer that God always answers. That's the prayer that God always answers. Not my will, but thine be done. So I think we made the point this morning that God is faithful. Now if God is faithful and we enter into covenant relationship with Him, He's calling us to be faithful also. So we are called to be faithful disciples and God is working through His faithful people. God is working through the people who don't mind getting bored with the sermon. How many times, honestly, honestly now, how many Sundays have you sat here and wondered, is my roast going to burn? Did I leave the oven on? Wonder where we're going to eat lunch. Wonder what we're going to do this afternoon. But every Sunday you just kept coming. Well, there was a Bible study and you had to get prepared one more Sunday. And you'd been busy all week long. Things were going wrong at the house. Your work demanded that you spend more time there than at home. But you were faithful to stay up another hour and be ready on Sunday morning. How many times did you sing in the choir? How many times did you sing up here when you had a choir? And you were wanting to be there because... We needed music in the church. I tell you, God works through faithful people. You don't have to be energized all the time. You don't have to be motivated all the time for God to use you. You don't have to be on a spiritual high where people can't even talk your language. God uses faithful people. And what I'm discovering in life, here I'm 66 now, not quite figured out what life's about yet, but what I am learning in life is faithfulness is being adult. And the fruits of the Spirit that we've been studying are the manifestations of adulthood being an adult Christian. Because you see, 
when a, when a grapevine bears a fruit, it has reached the purpose that God designed it. It has reached the end of its mission. That's what we're here for. It has matured to harvest. Just like a watermelon matures and you pick it and it's delicious. Uh, tomatoes mature and that you pick them and they're delicious. Well, all these fruits of the Spirit are the manifestation of Christ in our life. And it means that we are now operating as an adult Christian. When we express love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness or gentleness, and self-control. It's what it means to be an adult Christian. Adult Christians are faithful, and God uses faithful people. Linda and I were talking about things that our parents got us for Christmas when we were kids, and, and in the school, what teachers do for children when they do things that are good. And We were talking about somebody that was given a little lifesaver as a token of award. And I said, you know, I still remember Miss Molly. Miss Molly taught our children's Sunday school class. Every Sunday, Miss Molly brought a peppermint, about that big. Miss Molly. I wish I'd paid more attention to her Sunday school lesson, but I'll never forget the little peppermint that Miss Molly brought to church for us children every Sunday. And then I think about her husband, Brother Alvin, how he sang tenor in that church. I remember Brother Alvin never had a car, never owned a car, never owned a truck, never owned a vehicle. He always had to catch a ride with somebody else. They were not a well-to-do family. But somebody was always willing to get Miss Molly and Brother Alvin, Willis, and bring them to church every Sunday. I will never, ever forget it. And when I think about reasons that I don't have to do the Lord's work, you know, you don't have to come to church. You don't have to. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to. You don't have to help other people and be loving. You don't have to. But an adult Christian gets to. I get to tithe. I get to be faithful. I have an opportunity that I've never had in my life to demonstrate that I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ by doing faithful ministry in His name. And there's other people watching your faithfulness this very second. They are. You say, hey, nobody paying attention to me. Who's paying attention to me? You don't know and probably don't need to know. But you're influencing their steps, their walk, their discipleship with the Lord. So we're called to be faithful disciples. God uses faithful people. Faithfulness means perseverance in our persuasion. Perseverance in our persuasion. Perseverance in our belief. We don't give up our belief, our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. God told the church at Smyrna, through the writer of the book of Revelation in chapter 2, He said, Do not fear 
what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison even, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation. Be faithful, he said, even under death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life. After Teddy Roosevelt completed his service as President of the United States, he toured the world for a whole year. And when he was coming home, and uh, in those days people traveled overseas on ships, you know. Didn't have the big 747s back then. And no internet, of course. And not only did uh, Teddy Roosevelt travel on the ship, but missionaries traveled that way too. We had missionaries in foreign countries, and that's how they traveled. Roosevelt and a couple who were missionaries coming home They'd been on the mission field about 30, 35 years. They were retiring. They were coming home. They and Roosevelt were on the same ship together when they landed in the harbors of New York. There was this huge crowd cheering, reveling because their favorite Teddy Roosevelt was coming home. And the missionaries saw the same crowd. Didn't know that Teddy Roosevelt was even on the ship. Actually thought of for a moment... This may be our homecoming. This must be our welcome home. We've been so lonely. We've been serving the Lord in isolated places for so long. And then as they watched the president go out onto the ramp, they noticed that the cheering crowd was for him. The Lord spoke to that missionary couple and said to them, when they asked the question, Lord, where's our welcome? Where's our welcome? We've served faithfully for so long. Where's our welcome? And the Lord spoke to that missionary couple and said, Teddy Roosevelt's home, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. And I know there are times where you don't get a stick of candy for doing something for the Lord. Bill runs out of atomic red... Red Hots, you know, those things, you know. You don't always get one of those. Uh, you, you don't always get your name in the bulletin. You don't always, you know, Richard doesn't always get to announce what you've done and what's happening in your life. And so what you do for the Lord goes unnoticed. The question is, what will it take, what tribulation or what temptation will keep you from being faithful to Christ. God warned the church at Smyrna, you will face tribulation and temptation, but be faithful to the end. Because the crown of life awaits you in God's holy heaven. Faithfulness also means reliability in our responsibilities. Can you be counted on? Are you faithful? Jesus said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Faithful in our stewardship as well as in our responsibilities. Are you a faithful steward? Are you a tither? Good thing the hour is about up, huh? How convenient. I've learned some things about stewardship in my 
few years of serving the Lord. I want to share with you five of them. Churches do not have needs. Churches have ministries that meet the needs of others. And when I give, I'm ministering to the needs of others. Number two, I've come to learn this, and this is absolutely true. There's more than enough money for every good deed that God calls to be done. He said, well, we can't do this or can't do that because money's not there. Yes, it is. If God wills it and God wants it, he will provide it. Number three, I've learned that regular giving is a spiritual discipline that benefits first and foremost me, the giver. You really cannot outgive the Lord. Fourthly, I've learned that Christians are more like Christ when they give. When we are faithful stewards, that's when we are most like Jesus. Our God is a generous and gracious God. And fifthly, God's kingdom has an unshakable economy. If you've followed the stock market in the last few months, you wonder what in the world is going to, the future going to be like. God's economy is not like the stock market. God's economy is always abundant and always growing as we continue to give. And then lastly, we are called to be faithful in our covenant relationships with other people. Keep your promises. Keep your promises. If you've made a covenant in marriage, keep your promise. I said last Sunday, and I'll say it again for those who missed it. It has been demonstrated, research verifies it out worldwide, that people who work through their conflict and don't run away from their problems, but are determined to work through them to a greater end, a better end, 85% of those people, five years later, were still married to each other. Don't run from your problems. Discover something about yourself that you need to change to make the covenant relationship even better than it's ever been before. I like what Dr. Wayne Oates says. The promises we keep let us sleep. Hear this now. The promises that we keep let us sleep. The promises that we break Keep us awake. Be faithful to your word. Be faithful to your Lord. God is a God of integrity because he's always faithful and he cannot be unfaithful. May we be like our Lord and being faithful, how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And that's why I love that passage in Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 14, just this morning. It is through the Spirit of God working in the inner man to make us faithful. Every day, I surrender to the Lord. Maybe you're that person here today who's not yet given your life to Jesus, and God's calling you to His faithfulness. He will not turn you away. He will receive you if you will give your life to Him. Then you can follow through in the waters of baptism. And if you're that person, while we sing this song in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and just sit on that front row right there. While we stand together, let's bow our heads together, and you come if you would give your life to Jesus Christ. Or to unite with our church and the sister church, you come and just be seated on that front row. Let's stand together. Let's pray together.
Our Father and our God, we thank you for being faithful to us. Lord, take over our hearts and our life going from this day to the next that we might be more faithful. And that we will hear when life is over, well done, my good and faithful servant. May that be our bottom line goal in life, to be faithful. And others will know that we serve a faithful God because we're faithful to our Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.